Well, good evening, everybody. Great to be with you tonight. Um, tonight we're going to fixate in. We're going to jump into our gospel reading, which, and again, just a reminder, the first reading at Mass and the gospel almost always are mutually interpretive. Almost always. And so that first reading and the gospel tonight both talk about humility. So we're going to dive into humility tonight, but before we do that, just one thing that caught my ear as I was listening to our second reading. Um, here in Hebrews 12, this is a wonderful passage. Whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it. Uh, find out in heaven, I guess. But in, in Hebrews 12, the author compares Mount Sinai to, the, to Mount Zion as an image of the two covenants, the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant. But I just couldn't help but hear this tonight, and I just thought I'd just have to share this. Um, The author of Hebrews says, You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And skipping a few lines, he says, You have come uh, to a judge who is God of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Just men made perfect. And I just want to give this to you tonight. This is so beautiful. Brothers and sisters, when you're, when you, if you make it to heaven, you will not just be saved, you will not just be forgiven. If you make it to heaven, you will be perfect. Isn't that amazing? I, I can't wait for that. Right? Absolutely perfect. And, and just more important for us is to set our hearts on that. But one small thing to just think about, that right there is New Testament proof of the Catholic dogma of purgatory. All that purgatory is for us, all it means is to, that those who go to heaven are not merely those who have been forgiven by Christ. They are those who have been made perfect. And all that purgatory is about, there's a little bit more to it, but that's, we would take another sermon. Uh, but purgatory, right, I don't want to go there, but I'll see you there. Um, hopefully. <laughs> Please, Jesus. <laughs> see you there. You'll be like, Father Brian, you're the reason I'm here. Um, in a bad way. <laughs> but anyway, if we make it there, we'll be on our way. God will make us not just say, but he will make us perfect. And that's a great thing to hope for. Okay, tonight's homily is sponsored by G.K. Chesterton. We're going to talk about him a little bit tonight. Um, if you haven't read Chesterton, you have to acquire a taste for him. The first time I read Chesterton, I was like, I have no idea why everyone seems to love this guy. So I put down Orthodoxy, which I brought for my show and tell. I've been told Father Vitold's doing show and tell, so I've got to keep up with Father Vitold. Um, I don't have a ticket, though. But anyway... Um, the first time I read that book, I didn't like it much, but I picked it up again six months later, and it is one of the best books I have ever read in my life. And everyone in this, in this church tonight, every one of you, every one of you should read the book Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. Tonight I want to talk to you about proportionality. 
So one of the categories of beauty from the Greeks when they talk about beauty is they talk about proportion. Right? Beauty is a mysterious thing. It's, it goes far beyond proportionality, but it's related, isn't it? Right? When people who are really beautiful, like all of you guys, right, you guys are proportionate. There's a symmetry. There's, there's a proportionality to your bodies. And that's beautiful. Right? Music, music is integrally related to mathematics, and music is beautiful when it has a proportion to it. Right? When the music has proportionality, that's one thing that can help make it beautiful. When we designed our church, the first thing that was so cool, I remember when we, we were preparing for the renovation, and one of the first meetings we ever had, our architect walked into our church and he said, that's a beautiful crucifix. And he said, Father Brian, he said, what we're going to do is when we redesign Our Lady of Lords, is that the crucifix is going to be our key and it's going to provide the proportionality that's going to spread out into the rest of the church. And I said, that's exactly what I was going to say, but you, you know, <laughs> you said it first. No, I didn't say that. That's important. So G.K. Chesterton was, when he was at age 12, he was a pagan. At age 16, he was an atheist. Uh, he entered the Catholic Church through his own study. And what led him to Catholicism was he started to see a proportionality. And he outlines this in his book, Orthodoxy. And what he says is that as he was developing his mind as a young man and cultivating his intellect, what he recognized was that there were all these accusations against Christianity. And they all seemed to contradict each other. And so he would talk about how the, the people that he, he knew and interacted with, that they would accuse Christianity of being overly harsh. And then the next day, he'd be with another set of friends, and they would accuse Christians of being overly meek and sheepish. He would have friends who would, and, and articles he would read, and they would talk about how Christians are such pacifists, and there are things they need to stand up and fight for. But then his other friends would tell him that Christianity is the source of all wars in the history of the world. And Chesterton says, what if, and he, has this, he had this moment of insight in his life, he said, what if, what if Jesus was the perfect man, but all other humans looked at him and they judged him by themselves? But what if Christ actually had the perfect proportion? Which is, of course, true. 
is of course true. And I want you to see, before we get, we're going to dive into that in just a second, one more point I want to make is I want you to see how the modern world is, it has Christian virtues in all the wrong places. Chesterton says in Orthodoxy, it's one of my favorite lines from him, he says, he says, the Christian man was always certain about the truth, but uncertain about himself. The modern man is uncertain about the truth, but is certain about himself. And so his certainty is misplaced. Right? And all of us, tonight, you could go home and think about this, about the way the modern world wants you to doubt that there's any such thing as morality. But it wants you to be absolutely certain that whatever you feel is solid ground. And it's backwards. Right? The emphasis is in the wrong place. In our modern world, one of my favorite examples of this that I think of in the realm of sexual ethics. We all know this. The modern world puts us in temptations that our forefathers could never have dreamed of. I went to the Broncos game last night, and I was like, okay, this is why I live at a church. I was like, holy moly. The modern world puts sexual temptation in front of every one of us and it pushes that limit and it pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. And when people fall, there is no forgiveness. And notice how the wisdom and the beauty of our mother, the church, is exactly the opposite. The wisdom of our mother, the church, is that you and I should be modest. We should avoid temptations of the flesh. But our mother, the church, knows that if you fall, guess what there is? There is the best of all things. There is that M word. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. Beauty is about proportionality. It's about having the right things in the right places. It is not enough, and so to finally one last point on this, it is not enough for you and I, brothers and sisters, to have one virtue. It's not enough. And I, I think the church today has, has some examples of this. Where a lot of Christians today, we think that we're really virtuous if we're merciful. But we're not just. I'm just going to say him by name. The, the, the prominent name that comes to mind in my mind with that is Father James Martin, who goes around the country and has lots of mercy, but he has no justice. And Archbishop Shapu rebuked him, I remember, at one point a couple years ago. And Shapu, in my mind, is just such an example of how we should live as Christians. But he said, you know, Father Martin needs to, have to tell people the truth, not just be merciful, he's got to tell them the truth. But then he also rebuked us who think the way that Shapu did, and he said, this is a man who does love God, and we are to engage him with charity and honesty and all the virtues. 
It's not enough for us to have one virtue, right? We have some Christians out there who they know the law, and boy, are they going to hit you with it, right? That's great. The law of God is true. It's beautiful. It's good. It is meant for your redemption. But to be complete, right, today in that, that letter to the Hebrews, you have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You and I are not called to one virtue, we're called to all of them. To all of them, and in their proper proportion and place. And so tonight, brothers and sisters, I just want to apply this very simply to humility. Right? Humility, what a beautiful thing. St. Augustine says that humility is the virtue that is most prized by the city of God. Because it was exhibited so perfectly in Christ. And this week, I was really struggling trying to figure out what to preach about. And so our second co-author of my homily is St. Thomas Aquinas. But Aquinas says, when he talks about humility, one of the main points he makes, and he says it over and over again when he talks about humility, is he says, humility goes hand in hand with magnanimity. This week, one more story. This week, uh, we started school, and at the first all-school mass, you know, I'm always nervous when the kids come back to mass that I'm, like, boring them out of their minds because they sit in their pews and they look like, like they're in physical pain, and some of you do too, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so I'm trying to engage them, and I was like, okay, you know what? I can ask a hard question, and it's so hard, I said, if anybody can get this question right, then uh, no homework for the year. And so I asked the kids, I said, okay, who can tell me what's the Hebrew word Nazareth mean? And it was kind of like this. Everybody's like, okay, I can't answer that. Uh, but one kid raised his hand and absolutely nailed it right away. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, I am so sorry. I'm going to confession later. I can't cancel your homework for the year. <laughs> so if anyone has a good idea for that kid, Blaze Ramstad. I've got to figure out something awesome to do for him to, like, make up for my life from the altar. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so tonight, but here's the thing. So magnanimity, I was going to say, does anybody know magnanimity? Magnanimity means greatness of mind or soul. Magnanimity means greatness of soul. And St. Thomas Aquinas says, for you as a Christian man or woman... Your humility is not opposed to your magnanimity. You're called to be proportionate. As Jesus is perfectly proportionate. And so what I want to get at tonight, I want to show you that in Jesus, but I want to call you to that in your life. Magnanimity, I'm convinced of this, magnanimity and humility have a common root. And the common root of magnanimity and humility is love.
The root of both humility and magnanimity is love. And it's very simple. You and I, what happens is that because we're, we don't love as much as we should or could, we get hung up on ourselves. And so I worry about what other people think about me. And so I don't have humility because if I know I should be going this direction, but people give me opposition and they say, FB, we don't like what you're doing, I don't have enough love of something greater than myself, and so I'm, I'm worried about myself. And mag, the magnanimous person, right, the magnanimous person is concerned with great things. And so their love, right, draws them to serve great things. And so brothers tonight, brothers and sisters, humility Right? Love drove Jesus Christ to be humble. And he was that way from all of eternity. If we had time for, you know, homily part two tonight, we would talk about you know, how humility is present from all eternity in the Trinity. But we don't have time for that. But that's something to think about. But in Philippians here tonight, most of us have bad translations of, the, of Philippians chapter 2. So in Philippians 2.4, in my translation, the RSV, it says this. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 2 doesn't say that in the Greek. Philippians 2 says it much more boldly. It says... Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Tonight in our gospel, Jesus tells us, when you go to a banquet, do not take the place of honor, but take the lowest place. And the most important thing I can say to you tonight is that that's what your Savior did for you. The parable, first and foremost, that Jesus tells in Luke 14 is not about you, primarily. It's about him. The lowest place in Philippians 2, if you don't know Philippians 2, you, you actually do know it. It goes on from there, right? And it says, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be exploited, but he emptied himself. And being found human in form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2 is all about the humility of Christ. Here's the most important thing I'm going to say to you tonight. Jesus on the cross was humble and magnanimous. Love makes us humble because humility means that we choose the lowest place. The lowest place. The most powerful part of our faith, brothers and sisters, is that that's what that is. 
the lowest place. Crucifixion, you know this, right? Crucifixion in the Roman world is reserved for really terrible crimes, crimes against Rome when they wanted to make a point. It's also reserved for slaves. Jesus is not, the New Testament, you'll hear translations that say Jesus acted as a servant. Most of the time, the Greek word, the Greek word for servant is diakonos, where we get deacon. So when you see Deacon Tom or Deacon Daryl, tell him to serve you, right? Uh, diakonos means servant. That's not what the New Testament usually says about Christ. It usually says doulos, slave. <laughs> the lowest place. That's our faith. When Jesus did that, though, he was also magnanimous. And magnanimity is about the person who is not wrapped up in trivial things. They're not worried about how many Instagram followers they have. They're not worried about a passing comment someone made that had an attitude behind it. The magnanimous person cares about what matters. Humility and magnanimity on the cross. Powerful stuff. I want to leave you tonight, brothers and sisters, and I just want to encourage you. This, these two virtues are two virtues that should characterize our church. They should characterize our church. When there's an event at Lord's, are you the first one to pick up chairs? Do you look for ways to serve, to take the lowest place? That's the attitude of a Christian. But a Christian also, because they love, the Christian is concerned with great things. So we take out the trash and we pick up chairs and we serve others because we care about the salvation of the world. This is the character of a Christian disciple. So tonight, be proportionate. Right? None of you, I mean, you are physically, but none of you are spiritually yet. Neither am I. Right? We've got to work on that. It's not enough to have one virtue. We've got to have more of them. So Jesus, tonight we are amazed, though, before our own lives, before our own decisions about how we should live. Jesus, I'm just amazed at your humility. Lord, you could have just forgiven me. You could have done it another way. You could have forgiven us any way you wanted. But that wasn't enough. Your love was so great, Jesus, that you chose the lowest place. Lord, help us to do the same.